Yes, look, it's working. Oh man, oh wonderful. Yeah, okay. now we'll see if the visuals are working. Yep. Okay. Joy. Boom, boom, boom. We're here. Dan Vo is in the house. Legendary Dan Vo. Hello. It's Hello. Been, I was saying before, it's, I think it, we last met in 2009. It's 10 years. Incredibly, it's 10 years ago. Yeah, it's 10 years. I think we both still look very young and fresh. Yeah. I feel fresh. Wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now now we're fathers. Yeah. And, uh, and megastars and uh, architects of uh, of our own universes. You, you put it better than me. I would have just said content creators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, don't downplay what you've been doing. So here's the thing. We first met a decade ago Yep. in London. Yeah, it was the, uh, it was the Digital Economy Act event that was put on by Open Rights Group. Was it? I forgot that. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah, I completely mean, forgot that. They put on a gig, and that was my first ever live show, and yeah. you DJed for me. I did, because you didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to I still don't know what to do. <laughs> since, since then, I've done about three gigs, and, and you didn't DJ any of them, so it was even worse. <laughs> I, yeah, but look, that's part, partly, I guess, what I want to talk about as well, and what you want to talk about with me is, like, in the past, someone like me, who doesn't really have that much performing experience or, or, or competence, has managed to do something, has managed to use technology to make a, a music career in a completely different way than what you would have done traditionally. Yeah, well, you don't leave the house, do you? <clears throat> Barely, no. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a bit of a hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. But you stay in and uh, and you make, like, really quite high production value uh, music videos and records and concept albums and yeah. things of that nature. I think I remember a time when I... Because um, I, I used to try and go the traditional path of a, of a musician that wanted some success and I used to send demos to labels and things <laughs> and kind of hope that hope to get a response never did i just remember one day thinking right i've sent out enough cds and had had absolutely no response i'm not going to wait anymore for someone else to try and to try and you know make my career for me i'll do it i've got plenty of, of resources at my at my fingertips with the yeah. internet i'm a creative guy i'm confident in what i do so i just started to do my own thing and like if there was a platform like youtube or something i'd embrace it and put stuff on there and I'd, i also kind of decided very early on that i wasn't going to be that i was going to be very open in terms of copyright and ownership and i thought that you know i didn't care if someone pirated it remixed it whatever they did the more the more that people are sharing something i'd made however they do it yeah the more exposure it got and that was more important to me than like preserving the say like five potential sales that I would have got at that point yeah which people still haven't fully got their heads around yeah like people are still copy copy striking people for using their music yeah it's, in YouTube videos it's all, almost used as a weapon on YouTube sometimes people like people don't like another video where they get criticised so they'll use copyright as a way of taking it down because I don't know because there's a little clip of them in that video yeah and that's not what copyright was ever intended no. for but then at the same time, it's like, you know, are you, I was, I don't even bother anymore. At one point I was on YouTube, I was putting like mixes of a lot of the music I was listening to, putting together DJ mixes of this stuff and putting it up so people could listen to it and get into these artists. And then some of those artists will copy strike you. Right, yeah. Uh, which means that the algorithm doesn't like you, so it doesn't show your stuff to as many people. And it means that they claim all the revenue from a video featuring like... 40 artists. It's very broken. And yeah. you'll write to them and be like, so here's the thing, da 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 and they'll be like, 
fuck you. Don't use my fucking music. It's like, I fucking won't. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's like, Let's see how well your career goes, you strange person. I had, I had this idea of doing uh, like a copyright battle royale where I'd upload 100 songs in one video and see who won yeah. copyright strike. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do it. It was an idea. <laughs> you your battle royales. That's the point, actually. I was going to say, like, it's bizarre that we never collabed on anything but kind of technically we did because you did that oh, the Fortnite rap battle Fortnite rap like, battle royale how I many feel like artists are on count. that there was at least 100 I intentionally invited probably about 150 because I knew that people are people and they would like a lot of them would no show or, or just not deliver yeah. in time so there's probably like 120 on there because I didn't I didn't want to cut it down to 100 from the people that had sent stuff yeah. no one's bothered counting I don't think but yeah I don't <laughs> think that counts as a proper collab how long was that song? uh don't know, probably at least seven, eight minutes. And it was a video. Yeah. Yeah, that was very high concept. It was very smart as well from a marketing point of view, obviously, because then all of those people link to it or whatever, and then all those people go to your thing. Yeah. You've been very good at all of that stuff. Here's one thing, which, like, if you're if you're not already aware of Danbull, Danbull uh, is a... He raps and writes songs, uh, and he writes about things that interest him, and the things that interest you tend to be sort of geek culture stuff. Big geek, yeah. So it's a lot of well, game, not all games, of it. not movies. all of it, but a lot of it is, right? Yeah. And you've never shied away from that, because no. when you when you when you started that, it wasn't cool or like profitable. And nowadays, there's a whole scene for that sort of thing, but there wasn't when you started. Yeah, and also, I like I used to kind of hide that side of myself a bit more because I was on the hip hop forums and trying to get my music shared. So I like I was interested in games and movies and stuff, but that wasn't what anyone else was rapping about. So my early tracks were just kind of like jokey Eminem-y like battle punchlines and stuff yeah. which were good fun to write but I was never personally going to achieve any success with that because it was just a bit cringy but when I when I started to embrace like what made me unique as a person and put that in music and that was like more of my geeky side and my kind of I'm quite socially awkward and I put all that I kind of worked out how to put that on the record it resonated a lot more with people and could that combine with the fact that I actually chose the right platforms to put it on so instead of trying to wait for a, a record deal I'd just stick it on YouTube or even yeah. I, mean, I put my own music on the Pirate Bay because I figured yeah. you know it might end up on there anyway I may as well be the one that controlling the file that people download and so they get the best quality version <laughs> so it's like it's like damage control really Embra- yeah. embracing piracy, yeah, piracy and making sure that at least you have a say in it what was interesting as well with that is because people saw that I was so open about, uh, like I said, look, I don't mind it. If you can't afford it or whatever, please go ahead and download it. it the people that could afford it then intentionally went out of their way to, to, to buy it through official channels because they yeah. saw that I wasn't being a dick about it. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'd lost any sales there. I just gained a lot of exposure. Yeah, you, but obviously. Yeah. Like people uh, were never going to buy it in the first place. And by doing that, you put it where people could get it and you created goodwill so that people wanted, people who liked it wanted to go the extra mile and maybe share it more or involve themselves in the, in the community more or whatever it was. Yeah, not every listener is necessarily going to be a customer, but like, there's yeah. different people. There's listeners, fans, and customers. And mm-hmm. you can have a listener that becomes a fan and a customer or just a fan. And, and a lot of people seem to write off the ones that aren't customers but that's kind of doesn't seem good to me that's from a, a it's kind of a it just seems like a bit of a uh, a shallow 
attitude to have. And mm-hmm. B, it's also very short-sighted because a fan could then share your music with someone else who, who does become a customer. Yeah. Or later on, they might, you know, they might want to commission a piece of work from you or something. Like, it's, you can't see all the potential benefits that come from just having more people that are into your music, whether or not it pays off straight away. I think people have been very bad at thinking <clears throat> long-term with all this stuff. Yeah. And I think you were very good at that. Yeah, people just see, oh, that person has somehow got their hands on a copy of my music and they haven't paid for it. (laughs) And that's it to them. They're like, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. They don't see, well, maybe they've got their hands on it because they really like it and they're desperate to to even, you know, commit copyright infringement in order to get hold of it. Or, you know, they might have it because they want to make a remix or something like that. It's, It's people, you know, that first thing is put in front of them. They think, right, that's wrong. I'm going to fight against it with all my might. Yeah, it was amazing. And it's, it was so amazing to witness that, like people deliberate attacking their own fans, attacking the people who are going to be the people who shared their stuff with other people and gave them any kind of a career. Such a weird thing to do. Yeah, we had what was it? Like we had uh, Lars Ulrich from Metallica was the pioneer yeah. of that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the like, long, long, long ago of '99 and the Napster era, when it would take you'd have to leave your shit running overnight to download an Eminem song. Mm. And you were never sure if it was going to be the Eminem song because it might have been <laughs> yeah. Soldier Boy. I'd get home from renaming school. his I'd shit. I'd spend the whole evening like picking a few. I used to like punk back then, and so I could get probably two or three songs in a night because yeah. punk songs were two minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite often it would just be not. People would make their own music and rename it as as uh, a famous artist. I can kind of respect that actually. It's like a weird, it's a fraudulent hustle. But it's that's what Soldier Boy. That's how Soldier Boy got on. He really? was uploading his stuff and reading and calling it 50 Cent. Right. That's literally I it. And it, I downloaded some songs thinking they were 50 Cent and Eminem and they were Soldier Boy. And you liked it anyway, did you? Was that? Did you like it? No, not that. I thought this is really bad. <laughs> what is this track? This is very badly recorded. Then, and then, you know, he got a bit better and Crank That was obviously a classic and I still play that in the club to this day. And people go fucking crazy. Yeah. Because um, that's a fucking classic made with stock Fruity Loop sounds. It was, wasn't it? I saw a video where someone like remade it really yeah, I saw that video as well. Because it was literally the, the hit sound from Fruity Loops. And I fucking loved that hit sound. Uh, I used to really like the Pet Shop Boys and they used to use that bam sound a lot. Yeah. It was like a sort of, it was like a late 80s sound. And uh sounded a bit Calypso as well, depending on how you use it. I heard a good quote um, that applies to things like that, where people are, people can be kind of elitist about sampling and how much effort you put into something. But the quote I heard, I don't know who said it, but they said, it doesn't matter where you take something from, it, it matters where you take it to. Yeah. Which I think is a, sums it up really well. Yeah, it's completely, it's completely true. Uh, it's like people obsess over these details, like, was it a sample? Was it an obvious sample? Was it a stock sound? Was it a preset? all this stuff in the same way you have these nerds in DJing it's like are they using a sync button or where are they getting their music from or are they playing like a flack or is it an mp3 it's like no one cares is the, is that the listeners do not DJing care a lot. I know nothing about the DJing world but that doesn't surprise me that there's the, snobs these, the snobs exist everywhere and yeah. it's fucking retarded there's, I, I guarantee there's no one on the dance floor cares where you sourced your music or what technology you're using to put these mixes together, what matters is, is how they feel on the dance floor. Yeah, the you've never had someone come sounds. up to you during a set and go, excuse me, is this a, a flack or a... Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. Yeah, motherfuckers don't care, and it's a beautiful thing. And um, it's important <coughs> to... Uh, it's really sad when you see young producers getting like caught up in that shit, or young artists in any kind of 
it bogs you down, doesn't it? If you're so bothered about doing everything perfectly by the book and the way that, that other people do it, it just that's valuable mental time and effort that you could just be using to make stuff. I've seen this happen recently in uh, the, the lo-fi hip-hop conversation. Uh, you've started getting, like, old head, people getting all annoyed. Oh, these young people were saying they're making lo-fi hip-hop. That's not lo-fi hip-hop. That's just instrumental boom bap. Fuck you, how dare you? Rub, 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 I think I read something about that, but it may have been on your Twitter feed. If you <laughs> <laughs> Ninth Wonder was getting all pissed off about it, and I'm like, 10 years ago, Ninth Wonder was getting shit because he was using Fruity Loops. So they were saying, you're not a real producer, Ninth Wonder, you're using Fruity Loops. Now he's saying, you guys aren't real producers, because shut the fuck up. I wonder if it ties into when somebody was successful, because Ninth Wonder may have had like a big spike in success back yeah. then, and now he might not be able to reach that same peak of success now, so he's finding something to blame for it. I think it's just honestly what happens if you disconnect from popular culture. Yeah. Um, it's like, I talk about this a lot, but it's like why the top comment on any YouTube music video is always like, oh, this is real music. No matter what the song is or what year it was released, this was real music. Music was so much better in my day, yeah. i.e. when you first got your dicks out. I, I read something that said, that said like, if you ask anybody when, when pop music peaked, it's usually about, it just happens to coincide with when they were about 14, 15 yeah, years it old. It coincides with <laughs> when they first got a boner or whatever, when yeah. they first got finger banged or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. It's amazing that that's the same with everybody thinks that the best music ever made. And I, I do this, I just test this. I ask Uber drivers or like, I ask, or any, I ask anyone I come across what they think the best music ever was. And they always do that. They default to the point in time where they first, you know, basically, basically puberty. Yeah. And they never question that that might be related. I do the same thing. So I, I, I was born in 1986. So I, I, and I think the best pop music was from like the late, very late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, there you go. But I'm, I, even though I know that is purely biased, I still believe that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't equate those two things. Well, this is why, being, for me, being a DJ has been really great because it forces me to like, interact with music like a 14-year-old does. So I have to like be constantly listening to new music or finding cool old music or really sort of like really being involved in it in in the way that you only otherwise would if you're a I, that's person. what I admire about you because I see that I, I only really see you mainly through Twitter now, but you're always yeah. talking about new artists who are doing new stuff and, and a lot of the things that other people are complaining about like this the new generation of hip hop, like yeah. oh, they're not even using multi syllabic rhymes or they're, they're using <laughs> auto tune and stuff. You're you're more excited about that kind of thing yeah. because it means that they are doing something different to before. Yeah. And they're embracing it in a different way. That's right. And that's kind of, I think that's probably seeing you have that attitude has made me be a bit less snobby because sometimes I remember thinking the same thing about auto-tune. I was like, I bet that sounds awful and they're not using auto-tune. But they are using auto-tune. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it sounds good. Yeah. It would sound awful if like, they didn't have a microphone because yeah. you wouldn't be able to hear it. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck yeah. are you talking about? It's the, there, there's this argument in DJing about whether you should be using like the sync button, which is like a feature that can work out the tempo of the track of a track, right? Rather than you having to sit there and like work it out. Da, da, da. But it's like motherfucker, is it real toast if you don't like if, you if you're using a toaster? A <laughs> you know what I mean? This yeah. is it. Like these are tools, and you can use them to get to where you're going a bit faster, which means you've got time to do other things, like think about like pay attention to the dance floor do a bit of a live remix or work out another song you can bring, whatever the hell it is. You know I think I mean? there's, always, there's always still a place for a traditional craft of a, a method of doing things. But yeah. It shouldn't 
mean that you're not allowed to do new, easier, efficient ways? Of no, I mean, basically, in an ideal world, you have a foundation where you could do all that stuff. I mean, I was using record players first because that's what I had first. Yeah. So I have that foundation, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, you know, no, like, it's good to... I was talking about this with my wife because um, we're trying to outsource stuff like editing and uh, mixing and stuff like that. So I have more time to create more more productions. Um, and it's great that I've been forced to learn how to do all this stuff, mixing, video editing, color correction, all of this stuff, because now I can communicate with another person how, how yeah, I want yeah. it done. I think it's a lot better, because I'm at the point now where I, I outsource quite a bit, but ev- yeah. pretty much everything I outsource is stuff that I used to do myself. Yeah. It's a lot easier to tell someone what to do beforehand and then if it's not quite what you want to tell them exactly what you want changing yeah. the worst thing is when when people like because i work for clients as well as outsourcing things like sometimes they'll just be like can you make it different and you're like what do you mean <laughs> on the work even, even worse is when someone signs off on say they'll sign off on, on the lyrics for something and say that's fine and then i'll record the whole track and then it'll get to the point where we've, we've like filmed the music video everything's done and they're like you know what, can you change the words in that verse to something else? I'm like, if you just said that when you signed off the lyrics, that would have been fine, but we're not changing it now. <laughs> so you're doing commission tracks? Yeah. I mean, what sort of things is that, like ad stuff? A lot or? of the time it's it's video game companies Yeah, because it's a, it's a huge industry. In fact, that's why I'm in LA now because I'm, I'm here with uh, 2K who are uh, promoting Borderlands. But yeah, I've done a lot of sponsored videos on my channel about specific games because basically... I used to do fan songs about loads of different games, like a song about a game. So I did want to say about Skyrim and stuff. And then I started getting... Yeah, um, I remember seeing your Skyrim stuff. I started getting games companies contacting me saying, can you do a song about this game we're releasing? And yeah. pay you. And, and to me, that that I didn't really have second thoughts about it because I thought... This is the kind of thing I'm doing anyway. It's not like it's not like I'm selling out against any principles that I've expressed before. I've always wanted to make money from music, yeah. and now I'm making money from music. And yeah. it's the exact same content I'd be putting on my channel anyway. Yeah. Like geeky songs about video games. So it's it's become like it's become quite a good business model for me, really. I've got a few different, <laughs> I've got a few different um, revenue streams now, which is good because YouTube is so wobbly let's say right uh, you you know the apocalypse and everything so i has that affected you much then it's affected everybody it just uh, the way the apocalypse has affected everyone is that a lot of big companies have pulled some of their advertising or won't advertise on youtube or only advertise on very family safe content yeah so which your it, stuff is for the most part right well i don't know if it's if it is because some of my videos have got swearing in yeah. and, and, and youtube's algorithm is better and better at detecting that kind of thing so it might go, i've noticed this yeah. yeah so you know if if pepsi are running a massive ad campaign and sinking millions into it and they say we don't want this on any videos with swearing yeah. then the amount of ad revenue that i'd get compared to say a family friendly channel is going to be lower yeah um and just just generally there is more more content being created on youtube than there is new people wanting to put adverts on it right and what that means is that ad revenue gets diluted so you just get less and less money yeah. per, per thousand views or cpm it's called yeah um so that's what well, that's one revenue stream of mine anyway youtube and sense but that's fairly low nowadays so i've got Spotify has been amazing. Yeah, I, right. I promote Spotify all the time. Like at the end of my YouTube videos, in the comments of my YouTube videos, I say, "This is also on Spotify. Go on Spotify, please. Go and listen to this playlist on Spotify." 
Um, and yeah, then then the other main revenue stream is just getting sponsored videos. It doesn't necessarily always happen very often, but yeah. it, it's a nice big chunk of extra income when it does happen. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, yeah. I I still have standards when it comes to sponsored videos. Like I've I've turned certain things down. I turned down a company that wanted to promote uh, sweets to kids because I just thought. <laughs> They, uh, they wanted to, it was like super sour sweets and I thought that was kind of cool because I was going to do a song called like Screw Face or something that right. makes your face screw up the same way like those those 90s boom bap beats yeah. do. But then like I made it so it was aimed at kind of students or like young adults and then they said, uh, we want it to appeal more to like 12 year olds and I said, no, I'm out. I don't want to, I don't want to promote sugary food. You use it, principles. Yeah. Very nice. Very powerful. Yeah. That's good. Uh, the when did you do uh, the Skyrim? Oh, when it was out. When did you? So when when we first met, you weren't really rapping about video games as much. No, it was you were a, kind of rapidly rapping. Yeah, really uh, rapidly. So when when did you? When did the sort of light the light bulb moment? When of, we met, I'm just going to go all in on this shit. 2009. I was doing a lot of songs about like digital rights and copyright yeah. and the, the song that I made then that was that got quite big on YouTube was the it was called Dear Lily it was about Lily Allen yes do you remember that she'd written like a blog post about how yes. bad plagiarism and copyright infringement was and she'd infringed the she'd she'd basically plagiarized that blog post from someone else it was very you know she ripped me off did she yeah what what happened um she had a t- it was a terrible song as well Mark Ronson was going to produce my second album really and then he ended up producing hers and uh, he'd come out to see me so you could in have New been York. Lily Allen <laughs> <laughs> yes I could have been Lily Allen he came to see me in New York and uh, he thought I was wonderful he invited me down to his studio and was playing me these unreleased ODB records and stuff anyway there, there ended up being a record on her second album there was some kind of amphromorphization of God type terrible thing there was a complete rip-off of my Oh, What a Glorious Thing song. Really? Like, they'd, like, traced the beat and it, like, replayed the sample. And no way. All that type of stuff. Yeah. I didn't know that. So she's a, that she's a terrible, terrible hypocrite. What song? What is the song of hers? Something oh. about God, I don't know. I'll him? I think it's called Him or something. I know I know your song. I listened to it the other day. Oh, I was going to ask you, actually. Do you, you don't do much rapping now, right? Uh, I haven't been. I will do. I, I still it's do not, it. Yeah, you haven't like drawn a line under it and said that. No, no, no. What it was was uh, I was trying making this trilogy, and the first album when we were young was you know the very easy albums, right? The experiences of a person growing up and youth and all that type of thing. And the second one was like interfacing with world and sort of like becoming a adult thing. And then the third one, I was unable to make because it involved me learning things that I hadn't learned yet. Right. So you planned a trilogy. You planned a trilogy way ahead of time. Yeah. Like, when you were young, you planned when we were young. Yeah. And then... The life wait, equation. The wait the third, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I couldn't make the third one until I was a man. So you figured... You know, until I was a man who had a kid and had worked out self-personal responsibility and worked out all these things that I didn't even know quite what they were at that point. And that's what I've been doing. And I'm, I'm close, I think. I'm close to the point where I can make a record that's, that's valuable and puts across... Because here's the thing, I've talked about this quite a lot, but pop music, for the most part, the stuff you get to hear is the experience of the teenager. Yeah, yeah. And then people keep on making those records into their 40s and pretending they're still teenagers and trying to communicate with teenagers. It seems a foolish 
thing. I've had I've had similar thoughts actually because I'm kind of you know 33 now and I'm aware that that's I'm not going to be younger than 33 ever again. I'm only going to be older. So You'll never be as young as we are right now. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm thinking also also time apparently gets, seems to get quicker as you get older. So I'm I'm trying to plan ahead and think right. I need <laughs> I need to make a banging hip hop album for for a middle aged slightly overweight dad yeah. to enjoy instead of just trying to grasp onto this thing this youth that slips away every yeah day. forget that <laughs> yeah. forget that there's also that's also a very crowded market already there's a lot of people exactly and you're never going to be um you're never going to be able to communicate with a 16 year old like a 16 year old can communicate with a 16 year old there's constantly it's like i was saying earlier if you if you stop paying attention to popular culture just for a week you miss some connective tissue and then you're kind of out of the loop Oh, that's happened to me. And you sort of start yeah. drifting away and things don't quite make sense anymore. I look at, like, deep-fried memes and, and just the just the culture on, online of, 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 you know, what how young people are communicating. I feel almost like it's... I don't know, I feel like how, an, how a really old person would feel <laughs> when, they're, when they're watching TV and they see TV presenters talking about Twitter and stuff and uh-huh. it's baffling for them. I feel like that when I'm on Twitter and I'm looking at these memes <laughs> I don't understand. So yeah, if you don't keep your attention on it constantly, but then you also it's not for you. It's not it, it, it's for other people. Like you yeah, say, well, you? no. I mean, there's two things. To this you want to. It depends if you want to be able to communicate with everybody. Yeah. Or if you want to cut off your communication. It's like when you're uh, when you're out here. There's no point in asking for water, water, water the way we would say water. They don't understand. You have to overpronounce water, and then they understand you. Really? Yeah. They don't get it. It's I've like, had every interaction I've had at, in a restaurant or a shop so far has been kind of clumsy. And all, yeah, you saw downstairs. <laughs> I, was, I was literally trying to buy a bottle of water, and um, water is a word they don't get. Water, so you have to go water because they water. say water. Yeah. All right. So you have to work these things out. And you, if you want to communicate with someone, you have to kind of talk to them in their own language a bit. And if you don't understand their language because you haven't been paying attention to say popular culture or whatever, that just that's a tool you don't have. Yeah. And it's like, there's two things. One, you want that tool. You want to be able to communicate with as many people as possible, as wide a group of people as possible. Two, they've got shit to teach you. There's stuff you can learn from them. And if you do not pay attention to them or understand their language, you won't be able to learn what they've got to teach you. That's a good point. You always hear people saying, like, respect your elders, but you You should should. also respect your youngest. Yeah, because they know shit you don't know because they've fucking grown up with supercomputers in their pockets and been playing Minecraft since they were fucking three. They understand the world in a way that you never will. And they understand the world that we're moving into in a way that, like, people we would never will because we weren't. We came from a different world. Yeah, you know, it's, theirs is changing a lot more quickly as well than yeah. ours. And ours changed a lot more quickly than our parents. And theirs changed a lot more quickly than their parents. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember what the statistic was, but it was like the, the amount of time between the invention of. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is Alan Moore's steam theory thing. Oh, this is, yeah, the anyway. period of time between uh, the invention of the, the fucking stone axe yes. and then the baths of Rome. Right. And then the amount of time it takes to create the same amount of stuff. You get to the point where, where between 1960 and 1970, human information doubles in a decade. Right. But then it keeps, it keeps compounding. And uh, you got to the point where in 2013, more information was being created in a second than had been created in previous human history. Really? So you're now in, as Alan Moore when said, you've gone from a fluid culture to a steam culture. And it's like right now, somebody could be re- release an app that changes the whole world. 
does right that, now. Does that tie in with, because something else I read about was the, the singularity. Yeah, it's, yeah. Similar, it's a similar concept. That's where things keep advancing, and the singularity is where the point of advancement is going to be basically... The curve yeah. is going to go like that, so it's a vertical. Yeah, that's the singularity. That's as yeah. far. So as it's like the singularity of ideas, I guess, or the singular idea. Yeah. So we've reached the singularity of ideas, and we've reached the point where, like, the the tools for you know getting those ideas out, there's not really much of a limit. It's like anyone can work out how to code or make an app or come up with a video or a concept or whatever. It's inspiring. It makes you feel like you could just wake up in the morning, and if you set your attention on the right thing, you could make a huge difference to something it's true but then i mean that's the fucking truth and then you know people they try and dissuade you from this truth with with constant barrages of negativity and nonsense which is one of the reasons i moved to this country because it's inherently less negative than the uk yeah yeah um, people like moaning in england i yeah. like i like moaning yeah i do i'm slowly starting to realize that moaning doesn't really help anything <laughs> it's no. a problem moaning about it doesn't do anything but it's fine trying to fix it yeah. So here's the thing I saw earlier. I tweeted it. Uh, a couple replanted an entire forest in 20 years. By themselves? Yes. A couple. A man and a lady. There was a decimated forest. I'm not, I can't remember where it was. The pictures are incredible. Completely decimated forest, barren, done. They replant. It's now a fucking massive forest. They did it. Two people really? in 20 years, planting 750 seeds a day. That's that's just what humans can do when they when they put their focus on one particular goal and just yeah. keep going towards that goal. I think yeah. yeah. The problem is a lot of people don't know what their goal is, or that it, there are almost so many different things that could be your goal that you, it's difficult to pick one. That's the trick. So you've got to pick one. Yeah. So you know, I, you did, so you did that. You said, all right. When you became like successful, you said, all right, I'm going to be the guy who raps about video games and things of that nature because that's what I'm into, and I'm just going to go all in on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot more valuable than <clears throat> than someone who just, you know, could could have the same level of skill, but then divides their skill amongst hundred different things. Yeah, they become kind of a jack of all trades, master yeah. of none. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was we were talking about this off camera earlier, but like I did, I decided to just go all in on Meaning Wave, and since I did that, it's become hugely successful. Yeah, it's I, I only just cottoned onto your meaning wave revolution like <laughs> a week or two ago, and I was like, "Oh, what's he been up to? This is amazing." I had this with you some years back. I was like, "Oh, what's that?" I was like, "Oh shit, he's got fucking one and a half million subscribers on YouTube, and he's built this whole fucking galaxy." <laughs> yeah, and he's the fucking guy who did those Skyrim raps that I was listening to. Yeah. Da, da, da. I didn't even realize it was the same person initially, and now I'm at the point where uh, I get up this morning. Oh, hello, Hercules. This is my six-year-old son. Oh, hi, Dad. Can you put on Enderman rap, please? Oh, he's And he's like independently, it. nothing to do with me. He's found you. Really? And now he loves your music. And no he way. listens to that fucking goddamn Ender rap, Enderman <laughs> rap all the time. You don't want to mess with the Enderman. Sorry about that. I didn't mean it to be such an earworm. <laughs> it's very, very earworm. It's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. He, he found that um, independently, oh, and now he listens to it all the time. So he's... That's his... Is he getting into music as well then or is it just that he likes that particular thing or do you think he's going to follow in your footsteps he's always loved music and he used to come you know he comes in the studio and he's like over the years he's sort of made little beats and stuff like that he's discovered his own music that he loves now and it's you guys it's the computer game 
song world. Nerdcore. CG5. Yeah. Oh, CG5, yeah. He loves CG5. I'm always hearing these Bendy and the Ink Machine songs, all these, like, all these basic songs. Yeah. And it's this world that exists within YouTube. I'm kind of talking more to the audience now because you know all about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gather. Uh, wherein people make... It's like musicals. It's like mini musicals based around the stories from video games, and they make these really expressive songs that like genre wise all seems to be this kind of like mix of rap and dubstep and show tunes and ele- aspects of electronica. It's like this own sonic world that yeah. has a sonic consistency. Uh, and it's these, yeah, it's like mini musicals and Hercules loves this stuff and he, he lives for it. And every day he's like, insists we put them on these songs on the projector and he acts them out and he does these dances and acts out all these songs because they're, you know, they're narratives they're yeah. stories that's really cool and that, that makes sense as well because I've found that the stronger you make a story in a piece of music mm-hmm. the more people relate to it like, it, it's one of the, the downfalls I think that a lot of like underground hip hop has that a lot of times people are just trying to show off their technical skill but they forget to put just a you only need a strong simple narrative like about a person going from point A to B and what happens in between and that's a story but people really connect with that especially kids what was that Rugged Man was it Rugged Man the um, there's something Valor that track and like Rugged Man and those guys were all very agadabigada agadabigada bagadabosh like riggedy riggedy lyrical miracle rappers yeah but like one of the most uh, sort of one of the biggest records that came out of that was that song about Vietnam because it was a story I don't know that one but uh, it's, um, it's called Uncommon Valor. It's an incredible record. But it was like, it became really popular out of that sort of Sage Francis-y, R.A. the Rugged Man, that whole scene of, you yeah. know, riggedy agada biggity bosh rappers. Yeah. It, it was a story about about his dad in Vietnam and he told his father's Vietnam story and it was because it, it was a story and I didn't think about that at the time. Yeah. As it's why it was that track that resonated the most. It gives you, yeah, it puts you in someone else's shoes whereas, you know, lyrical, lyrical stuff doesn't. No. It just someone telling you that they're a lyrical miracle. Yeah. You just go, yeah, well, good so, for you. Yeah, there are a lot of lyrical miracles out there. There are. But someone like everyone has a unique story. Yeah, exactly. And also, humans have loved storytelling since the dawn of time. I think it's probably an evolutionary thing that's inbuilt in us. So, yeah. you know, we would have been sat around a campfire sharing stories, and and that's what bonded us together. So, I guess it's this very same psychological principle, just just in a kind of mass media format. We were talking with Jordan Peterson about this and we went, we had this oral tradition. So it used to be that people, certain people would have whole books inside them and they could just speak out the book at a campfire. Yeah. This is very rare now because, you know, no one remembers anything because it's all in Google yeah. or in Evernote or whatever, right? Who remembers whole stories and can recite them at the drop of a hat? I guess it's poets and lyricists. It's rappers. rappers yeah. Yeah. In fact, rappers is probably the closest thing you'd get to to like the tradition of, of those epic poems that where people it would... It is. Yeah. That's exactly the, the fucking Homer, Homerian, yeah. Grendel. But it's not held on the same the same pedestal as, as ancient Greek poetry, is it? Hip-hop. Not, not, not yet. Not yet. So not it might yet. be, yeah. It might be another generational thing where people look back and see hip-hop as a huge, as huge change. I think it is a generational thing because it's like we were talking about with um, Minecraft and iPads and stuff of that nature. A Minecraft small child. That was a good little was that? rhymey thing. Go oh, 
Minecraft iPads. Oh, there you go. <laughs> see, see, you notice this stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like a five-year-old now, that's all they've ever known. And you and I spoke about this recently on Twitter, but like um, everything exists within hip hop now. Yeah. Every genre is back. Rock is back. Punk pop is back. All these things, they exist, but they exist within within hip hop. It's like hip hop is now the galaxy in which it's like all a umbrella these play. And everything is inside it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really like that. I think you you made like a list of different different rock genres. Yeah, every rock genre you can think of, there's now a rap. There's, there's like a hip hop version of that. I really like where that, that occurs. Uh, Juice, Juice World one, where yeah. it's like he's getting drunk in a desert or something. There's a wedding. I can't remember the name of the song. <laughs> What's it called? Is that robbery? It might be. Tell me about my heart yeah, and yeah. bag. And I was listening to it and I thought, this is basically a trap song, but if you just change the instruments, it would be a Blink One Eight Two song. Yeah, it's a punk pop song. It's yeah. all punk pop melodies. It's just the drum kit is that. But even even trap drum what kit. he's talking about as well, like it, it's. It's more a punk song than it is a trap song, almost. Like, yeah. It's yeah. just the instrumental palette that it's using that makes it different. Yeah. And then there's that... Uh, I've forgotten the, that country... The Little country. Nas X. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really like that Number too. one song in the country. Is it? It is. And do you know what's interesting about country that? I meant to bring this charts. up to you. It's the number one song in the whole country. No way. Um, it's now also number one on the country charts again after getting kicked off because Billy Ray Cyrus got on the remix and right. Like, oh, all right so they've fine. changed their, their oh, all right we were wrong sorry <laughs> but uh what's really interesting about that is that's basically what you did because that's not what people are missing about that song it's not that it's a country rap song people have been doing country rap by the way for for over a decade bubba sparks had an incredible album called deliverance over 10 years ago it's called hip-hop the genre yes yeah. there is hip-hop yeah. is a thing but yeah um what lil nas did was nerdcore so we haven't quite brought this up yet, but what they call, these days, well, for a while now, people who rap, rap about geeky things, they call that nerdcore. I went on tour with MC Lars and MC Chris, who are both self-proclaimed nerdcore rappers. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, that's what Little Nas X is. This song, Old Town Road, this country rap song that's the biggest song in the country right now, is about Red Dead Redemption. Is that what it's actually about? Yeah. yeah, he was playing Red Dead Redemption. He loves Red Dead Redemption. He made a rap song about like his wonderful horse, yeah. loving his horse in Red Dead, because we all love our horse in Red Dead, and made a video that was just Red Dead footage and put it on his YouTube. I saw the video and I wondered what, like, it looked almost like, I, I thought it might have been an unofficial video because it was gameplay footage. He did it, I guess. That was yeah. on his channel. Yeah. Who else did this? Uh, I have no idea. Pretty sure you've done a Red <laughs> yeah. Dead song. I had a Red Dead song back in two... Uh, 2011, uh, called Lord I Miss Red Dead Redemption, because just before I finished the game, I broke my disc. And, oh, uh, that must hurt. And I wrote a song about, like, sampling country stuff with a hip-hop beat about Red Dead Redemption and my so, horse. So is this, loving point, my horse. is this the point where we complain that he's not doing it properly and only we did it properly? No, <laughs> we would do it if we were, if we were morons. Yeah. But it's just a, it's an interesting thing, because that's what it is. It's nerdcore. Yeah. And that's now the biggest thing in the world. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know. I'm going to go and listen to it through the lens of, of Red Dead Redemption. Yes. I just thought he was doing a country song because country in its own right is massive anyway. Yeah. In America, in, in the UK, it's not. Yeah. It's weird in the UK, like, you, I never hear country. But I go on Spotify and, and, like, you go on the US Billboard charts, you've basically got trap, 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 maybe a, a dance club trom- song, country. Yeah. It's like, where did that come from? Yeah. It's just a whole different demographic you don't get in England. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have that rural... I mean, you have folk music in the UK, but the UK's a lot smaller. 
Yeah, I think because it's smaller, there's not there's not an entire rural subculture yes. of music the same way there is. And you know, we didn't ride around on horses, goddammit, and this whole heroic uh it's the story thing. Yeah. You know, like America's built on this story, and one of the stories is the is the Western story, and that's the cowboy culture thing, and that's country music, and country music is all about stories. By the way, country music as a genre is defined by its lyrics being stories. Is it? Yeah. Who's... The songs are all supposed to be stories. It's like you would say the, the story of my wife, the, the woman who left me, or the horse that kicked me, or yeah. how I acquired a lovely truck, or whatever it is. It's, you're telling stories. You don't get a country song saying, I'm a mi- lyrical miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't happen. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So... And it's a meme as well, you know. Every every number one record these days is kind of meme related. Oh, you mean? Oh, sorry, I thought you meant country music as a meme. Well, I mean, the, the old town road, yeah. little Nas X thing is kind of meme related. Yeah. So is that? You, has it's become a meme as a result of its success, or it it, it was a success because it became a meme? It, it blew up on TikTok. There's right. people doing little horse dances too. Oh right, yeah. So, okay, that makes sense. TikTok is another one of those things that I am not familiar with. Like, yeah. I know it's massive and I know I should probably investigate it, but it's just on my to-do list of things to look at. Yeah, it's just like, it's just Instagram stories, but creative. <coughs> yeah. Really, so it's that format and it's got lots and lots of sticker options and little animation options and collab options. So it's you more and I could do one together. Yeah. Da, 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 but it's just the evolution of what Snapchat started. Yeah, yeah. I might have a look at it. I've seen, I've seen there are a few musicians that use TikTok. Yeah, well, one thing, I mean, I've, I've got to do the same thing. What, what you want to do and what I need to do, what we should both do, uh, you need to get all your music on there so people can use it in their TikToks. And the only way you get your music on there is literally uploading it yourself one, one song at a time. Really? Is that, yes. really? Oh, so, because I'm on a, a music distributor that puts it on Spotify. And but they don't do TikTok yet. There's yeah. TikTok, it's so early, but that yeah. isn't a thing yet. Okay, people so have that's been a hitting good thing, me up, actually, yeah. Because it means that most other artists aren't going to bother to sit there and put this Exactly. Stuff. And people have been hitting me up going, could you please put your music on TikTok? I want to make TikToks. Okay. So, like, we should both do that. That sounds like a good idea. Mm. Especially, you could even design some music that was for TikTok. Yeah. Like, you'd think that, like, this people, this will be, you know, the hook will be this length and it will... You'll be able, it will repeat itself somehow and it'll have a little dance or something. Old Town Road really lends itself to that because it's so short and the structure is just really like micros, like little eight bar loops or whatever. So, how long is a TikTok video normally? Don't know. Yeah, the, the last platform I, the last <laughs> new platform I used was uh, Vine. Vine was good fun. Yeah, I used yeah. to try and force myself. TikTok's like Vine. Yeah. Every day I'd do, I'd do like a weird little comedy sketch on Vine just yeah. to. It, and it was really nice because it's because it was so instant and like you only had six seconds. There was no point bogging yourself down with like planning and script writing and just all the other things that slow down the creative process. I'd just put on like a silly hat and do a silly voice and that'll be it. It'd be done. And that'll be I'd, I'd have done something creative that day. Yeah, yeah. So maybe TikTok. I'll have a look at it. Have a look at TikTok. Yeah. I think you'd do well on TikTok. I think the TikTok world would like you. So. We wine because we haven't. There's so much stuff I'm going to talk about with you, with regards to. So here's. So at what point? So like, a decade ago, you were writing clever little songs, kind of, sort of answering back Lily Allen and stuff. And then yeah. you like, then you work out that you want to talk more about video gamey type things. 
Yeah, I did one song. I just did one song on my channel that was called Generation Gaming, and it was just, right. it was meant to be. It wasn't really supposed to be a gaming song. Sounds stupid to say that, but it was. It was the concept of it was just like each verse was about a different console that I'd had since I was little. So it right. was almost like just nostalgia of my own childhood. Yeah. But it, it was only about games, and and I put that on YouTube, and it did pretty well. Um, and I, I have you heard of a company called Machinima? It's yeah. like a YouTube network. They, yeah. they must have seen it because I think they then contacted me and asked me if I could re-release it through them on Machinima. Ah. And that's when I... Uh, and obviously they started talking about doing more videos and I thought, I, I, I suppose I could do more songs about games. Like, it hadn't even occurred <laughs> to me at that point. That was my gaming song. Yeah. It was just the one yeah. song. Yeah. About thought, one aspect of your life. Yeah. yeah. And that, I, that was ticked off. But then... Uh, so I did a few more with Machinima and they... Obviously, Machinima had a far bigger audience than me, and so they, they got a whole bunch more views. And I thought, okay, this is a thing. This is a little industry. So I just kind of doubled down on that. Yeah. And then, so I did that for a bit, and then not not long after, that, I did one about Skyrim, and that was just a throwaway track. I almost, I remember someone asking, asking me to do one about Skyrim, and I, and I remember saying no because... I'd already done a little song about Oblivion, the game that came before it, and I was like, I've already done an Elder Scrolls-themed song, so there's no point doing this one. Um, and then, like, a couple of days later, I just thought, oh, fuck it, I'll just quickly do one. So it was like a one-and-a-half-minute-long song, just on a loop of the soundtrack to the game. Yeah. It was very, very low-effort piece of music. But it just <laughs> blew up massively, I guess, due to the timing and also... Um, just the excitement I had in my voice, I guess, because I was genuinely really looking forward to that game coming out. It was very exciting. I remember, yeah, I remember getting it. I remember being, it's one of the, I've only, it's about the only game I've been excited about that wasn't a Rockstar game yeah. at that level. Yeah, yeah. And it was also kind of the birth of this modern age of sort of mimetics was Skyrim. In what sense? Well, it was the first meme game. Like the arrows to the knee and all that oh, type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. In fact, was... arrows to the knee is probably the first gaming meme I can remember because I, I, I was looking at the comments on my video and a bunch yeah. of people saying it about an arrow to the knee, and I thought it was like <laughs> they were talking somehow something related to my video. And I was like, "Am I missing something here?" Uh-huh. And then, like, I went around YouTube and looked on other videos, and it was just arrow to the knee, arrow to the knee. I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. I guess that was yeah, that was the first gaming meme I can remember. I don't know what it was about that game, but it was. It was it was sort of lightning in a bottle. It was just we'd, Eric Weinstein was on here and he was complaining not complaining is the wrong, is the wrong word but he was lamenting that something about our sort of digital culture and the fact that you know we don't all sit around watching the same TV shows together anymore or whatever means that there's not as much of a shared cultural experience as there used to be. Right. I disagree. I think we have shared cultural experiences all the time, but they're just over things like memes and bits of video games and things of that nature. Currently, yeah. it's like Game of Thrones and all this. That's a TV show, actually. Um, but I guess you have them, whether it's pop songs or shows or memes. There's more There's more variety and more choice. But yes. I, I guess people still... There are still... like There's still a top of that pyramid. There are things that everybody is aware of. Yeah, it's like memes will take a while to trickle down and normies will get into on Facebook a year later or whatever it is. But And then the, the very... The very Final people who get them are marketing people, yes. like TV adverts, and then they become billboards across <laughs> yeah. LA, which yeah. is always very frustrating. Um, but it does. I think we do have these shared experiences, and what's wonderful about the whole meme world is it's it's a creative shared experience. It's not just like everyone watches EastEnders at seven o'clock and then talks about it the next day. 
is that everybody engages in something, whether it's like playing Skyrim or watching Game of Thrones or whatever, and then everyone tries to make something to do with it. Everyone's like rushing to like come up with a joke or a piece of artwork or some yeah. little thing. It's like a creative shared experience. Yes, yeah, that everyone's contributing to and someone comes up with a meme format and someone else adds to that and someone else adds to that and it builds and moves and flexes. And Yeah, yeah. The problem is I find it so hard to keep up with that stuff. Like I see so many memes, I'm like, well, I guess I'd find that funny if I knew what it was referring to. And yeah. then you find out it's referring to like three different things and you're like, okay, no. It's like the Eddie Izzard jam thing. What's that one? Remember the old, the old Eddie Izzard stand up and him just saying jam became funny? I don't remember that, no. But the joke was because it was just like jam and that became funny, but only because he gone on about it previously right so then bringing re-referencing jam like an hour later suddenly just the word jam is yeah. hilarious but it's only hilarious if you have that connective tissue yeah. and that's why i keep saying it's important to stay in touch with popular culture because if you miss the connective tissue you don't get the jokes or you don't get the technology or you... what's your advice then to someone who wants to stay someone who is already out of the loop of popular culture but wants to stay engaged <laughs> with it but they don't have that connective tissue can you rebuild it yes how would you do that? You can. Well, I'm you have to be asking on my own behalf. Yeah. I feel like I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you just pick a couple of... It's easy now, right? Because I have this whole um, concept of, like, choosing your own angels. Like, you have guardian angels, right? The idea is you have an angel. You can choose them in the modern world. You can So I've got, say, I've got a Jocko Willink angel who pops up at my shoulder and goes, Oi, be disciplined if I think about doing something undisciplined. Yeah. He'll just appear. And I've sort of trained him to be there now. You know that, what would Jesus do or whatever? Like, yeah. I have that, but it's like, what would Jocko do? What would David Goggins do? What would Peterson do? Or what would Alan Watts do or whatever? Yeah. So I conjure these things and they come up. And in the modern world, you can go, all right, I'm going to listen to this podcast every week because this podcast is going to keep me in touch with this thing that I'm interested in. So you can pick a podcast. There's podcasts about memes. Pick a meme podcast or whatever. Watch PewDiePie. Yeah. PewDiePie does a meme review every week. Yeah. You just watch fucking PewDiePie, you're in touch with the big aspects of contemporary culture. Um, you want to know what's going on in underground hip hop? Like, follow Adam22 or someone like that. It's like. That's the thing. I feel like there are so many different strands of things to be aware of. Like, yeah, just pick a couple. Yeah. You can't do everything. Yeah. So pick a couple. So if you're so like, you just have to accept. If you're in music great. and you want to stay and you're in hip hop and you want to stay in touch with contemporary pop, like contemporary hip hop, find a couple playlists on Spotify and just listen to them once a week. Yeah. Uh, find a person who's in touch with that scene, someone like Adam, Adam Twenty Two or someone like that, and follow them on Twitter. I have this. I I unfollowed like fifteen thousand, like ten thousand people on Twitter, and I only followed five hundred. A very carefully manicured Twitter stream. So I've got some some sort of like deep thinkers and a couple of meme lords and a couple of like sort of like edgy comedy boys and a couple of lefties and a couple of righties and da da da. So I've got a good sort of balanced stream of the stuff that I want to be in, that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, when you follow fewer people, as long as you've, you've got a good mix. Yeah, just be, be deliberate about what you're doing and don't be in this like, oh, I need to follow that person because they follow me so I need to follow them back or whatever. Like curate your shit in such a fashion that you'll let the stuff that's entering your life is the stuff that you want to enter your life so yeah. if it's like I want to be informed on contemporary hip hop because I want to stay involved in hip hop uh, I'm going to follow this person because they are aware of that stuff that's their area of expertise yeah so I guess you're actually rather than picking new things to be aware of you're actually almost choosing what to filter out so that yes. you, you can take in the stuff that exactly you, yeah. that which is one of the things i've been interested in recently and the alan watts album i did recently is all about that 
like the the way that the mind works is it's a filter uh and it filters out way more than it lets in you know and that's what all this expert all um huxley's experimentation with psychedelics was all about yeah it's like shit that's what psychedelics do they kind of like let in some of the stuff that's being filtered out yeah they remove the filter yeah yes. i read oh, what was his books he had two books didn't he doors of perception doors Gates of heaven and hell yeah yeah i read i read those two and it was i really like them because i i i don't ever plan on taking like psych uh like mind-altering drugs like psychedelics and stuff but i feel like what he wrote was a really it let me just imagine what that might be like so that was i enjoyed that book yeah i, I, I remember reading that. i remember where i was when i read that book like I remember the, the what time of day it was and shit. It's yeah. like a very fundamental book. There's um, a bit where he's talking about like he look, he's looking at a chair or something, and he's yeah. absolutely fascinated by this chair, and he's never seen a chair in its true nature as what it really is before. Yeah, he's seen like his shortcut interpretation of a chair that he finds useful to him. Exactly, but he sees the objectively what a chair is, mm-hmm. and I found that really interesting that. Although we, you know, you think you're completely lucid and sober and looking at stuff, you're really only seeing things in the form of what what purpose and use they are to you personally, rather mm-hmm. than what they really are. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a kind of shared idea of what it is. It's like we've all come to this. Between us, we go, okay, that's a table. That's what a table looks like, and it's it's shorthand for a table. It's like a very rough sketch of a table. Like if I was to get a pencil and just draw a little rectangle with two sticks coming out of it, and you go, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's a table." Yeah, that's the table we most of us see, rather than the actual table. Yeah, and also the fact that a table is made of different things, and those things are made of different things. And yes, they're, they're all still there, and they've they got a history, and they're all yeah, just because and all of that information is going on at once. Yeah, that's part of the table now, but that doesn't make them. They're still a hundred percent the thing they were before they were a table. And that's right. But obviously, we can't. When you look at a table, your brain can't deal with all that at once. It's not useful to do that. And just, no. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting to, like, when you read about people or even, you know, if you take LSD or something yourself, or make a, I think transcendental meditation leads mm-hmm. to the same kind of things. Yeah. To be able to lift that veil a little bit and see what things really are like. Yeah, I mean, that's why, that's why people really, that's why people like music. I mean, music gets you there. Like, if you get really, really deep into music, you can get into those spaces. If you, like, go dancing and just, like, focus on the dancing for some hours, you can reach similar yeah. states. I feel I find it's harder to get as engaged with music as I've got older. Like, when I was late teens, early 20s, I would I used to really like Radiohead. Yeah. And I'd listen again and again to their albums. And I feel like now I can put the same music on and it doesn't take me to that same state that I'd be, like, the same deep mental state of being listening to it mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of want to re- reachieve that you can and again this is it's a discipline uh, I've done it by DJing and forcing myself via DJing to be doing this stuff and listening to this music and this that and the other but you can do it without that but it's a discipline it's a, like anything it's, it's like it's a muscle and if you do not use the muscle it atrophies you know so you're loving music and it being able to transport you on in this transcendental fashion that involves some effort on your part, just like, say, meditation does. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, but you can do it. You just have to go, okay, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to, like, listen to this amount of music on this day or at this time while doing this, or I'm going to actually, you know, just listen. You know, when you were a kid, you would just listen to music and you wouldn't be doing other shit. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't be reading Twitter at the same time or, like, whatever it was. you just put on a fucking album. And you'd be like, oh. I guess as well that you're... 
when you're younger as well, you're still having like formative experiences and the music gets latched onto that. Like you're like, yes. this is what I was listening to when this happened in my life. Yeah. Whereas now, the, like my life isn't changing that much apart from having become a parent, which is massive. But when you become a parent, the only the only music you end up hearing is like what's on CBBS, and I don't know, I don't connect to, to those are where you end up hearing Dan Bull. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't connect to Mr. Tumble in quite the same way as I used to connect to Radiohead. I mean, I never really did that stuff music-wise with Hercules. I would just like playing music I liked or whatever. Yeah, like when he was really little, we would listen to Gunplay and stuff like that. Right. Rather right. Than, but now he listens to you yeah. and CB Five and that sort of thing. But, uh, and this is, this is like what we were talking about earlier. You, people think that the best music that ever happened happened to come out when they were 14. Because lots of stuff happens when you're 14. Um, you need to work out when Hercules is going to be 14 and try and, try and work out what music's going to be popular then and preempt what he's going to think is the best music in the world. Yeah, well, this yeah. is the trick. This is one thing that the humans have never been able to do is predict the sonic character of music. Yeah. You can predict the future of fashion. You can predict societies. You can predict visual anything. You can go, oh, yeah, in the future, everyone's going to, things are going to look like that. And this technology will exist. And that stuff will come true. No one has ever been able to say in the future, stuff will sound like this because you can't even describe it. When you look at old science fiction films and they're predicting what musicals are like, they, they, you know, say you watch Star Trek or you watch mm-hmm. like something that's made in the 80s and set in the near future, like in 1998 or something, they get it so wrong, especially music wise. Like the yeah. music, the music they think that things will sound like just still sounds like it's from the eighties. Yeah, because because you, <laughs> you'd have to actually create the future of music yeah. to show the future of music. Yeah, you'd actually have to, and then it wouldn't be the future of music because it, it would exist in that moment. It's weird as well how quickly things drop off as well. Because I remember like when dubstep came about. <laughs> dubstep seemed like a, just a revolution in electronic music. I guess it was, but it just burned very. Uh, fast and hard dated very fast yeah yeah because now when I hear dubstep especially like some some adverts and stuff still use it they think it's like an edgy new music and you're like what are you doing yeah I still really like it but I do get that feeling like it sounds dated to me in the same way that you know like 80s synth pop yeah in fact the weird thing is 80s synth pop doesn't sound dated now because it's almost had like a this vaporwave revival yeah and it's not going anywhere yeah um, but I yeah. can't complain about that because I love that sound. But yeah, me too. It, it's definitely in vogue now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thing. Um, it's very. I mean, it's why you want to be careful about sort of like nailing yourself to someone else's boat, and why creating your own universe is always the smartest thing to do. So imagine you're a DJ. It's like, oh yeah, this dubstep thing looks cool. I'm going to be a dubstep guy, and then suddenly dubstep suddenly overnight seems like the most dated, lame thing, and you're the dubstep guy. Like, yeah. But what do you do? Yeah. 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 What's what like dubstep must have gone somewhere. Like what? It, what has it evolved into? There's still. I mean, dubstep evolved into uh, <coughs> future future bass, really. So with the 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 kind of like effects that people were applying to the bass, they started applying to the synth, right? And then just the, pulling it the, back because future bass is a lot more, a lot less aggressive sounding, isn't it? Yeah, sort of lighter and sort of happier, um, and sort of fluffier and more pleasant and sort of female friendly. Probably with dubstep, it was such an aggressive sort of like masculine form that the, the, the dubstep parties ended up being sausage parties and no one likes a sausage party. Yeah, yeah. You know, not even a sausage. Future bass, it's probably my current favourite like form of music that I listen to. Yeah, I love that stuff. But I just, I don't know much about it. I just, Spotify has helped me with it. I just found, I think there's a playlist was called like Bleeps and Bloops or something on Spotify yeah. and it was all future bass. 
I just put it on, didn't know what it was really, and I just thought, this all sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I yeah. put on whenever I'm trying to, whenever I've got something I need to do, like housework and stuff, I put that on and it just goes by really quick. Yeah, Future Bass is very productive music. It's kind of, um, what is it? Uh, what's the weed that's productive? Indica is the sleepy stuff. Um, I forget now, anyway. I haven't smoked weed for a long time. I'm yeah. like, that's another world I'm out of touch with. <laughs> yeah, I don't smoke anything, but I I, um, I utilize edibles in a medicinal fashion. Right. Sativa, that's it. So Future Bass is kind of like sonic sativa. Sativa is, is the is the weed where you can be productive and creative and do stuff and then yeah. indica's the stuff that will sort of put you down a bit and uh, I've, I've been using indica gummies for uh, calming down after the, after I get back in from DJing right yeah. it's a useful thing and then sativa one can use in the daytime if one has been productive I didn't know there was that like much of a different effect from different strains yeah, yeah. well you know we're in the future now and uh, just around the corner there's uh, a shop called MedMen that's basically like the apple store for weed LA, right? Like genius LA bars for, for weed. Really? Yeah. I've been coming for about five years. So, when was le- le- weed was legalized? Not that long ago, right? Because I feel like LA smells a lot more of weed than it used to. Well, they like everywhere. They uh, made it legal for uh, like recreational use this year. Right. That explains it. So previously, it was legal for the past four years or something for like medicinal use. But then in January of this year, they said, "You know what? Fuck it, everybody." Yeah, it's just easier yeah. than everyone pretending they have a, a medical need for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was the case that you'd have like a doctor next door to the weed store. You go to the doctor and you give them 35 bucks and tell them that you had a headache or something and they'd like give you a prescription. Then you go next door and buy a bag of joints. Right, so they just got rid of the doctor. I bet yeah. the doctors aren't happy about doctors that. Doctors are pissed <laughs> off, man. Those weed doctors are pissed off. But yeah, LA definitely has a, a strong stench to it at the moment. Like you ev- find that? Everywhere I've been since I landed. Really? Before it was like, it was certain places like Venice Beach, obviously. Yes. Um, but now, it's like I was just waiting outside this, this building and it was everywhere. It's different because... It's funny, I just don't even notice it yeah, anymore. I mean, I, I live in Birmingham and obviously people in England, plenty of people smoke weed, but I guess it's, it's less open. Yeah, you well, you still get arrested for it. Yeah over there yeah and it's also probably, it's probably the same amount of people that smoke in England as, as in America near enough but just in America you can now or at least in California in you California, can just yeah. stand anywhere you want and smoke weed instead of having to yeah you can do it in a club yeah I mean like there's a little car park not far from where I live and there's always just like a couple of cars just hotboxing in there and <laughs> I guess you don't have to do that anymore in California no yeah unless you want yeah 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 it's 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 one less thing to worry about. But what it's done, which is great, is uh, it's made it so that you can go, okay, I would like something for this specific purpose. And you can get that rather like when we was little, going out and like getting like a block of hash with some plastic in it. You know, yeah, like burn yeah. a hole in your leg and you don't know exactly how you're going to feel afterwards. <laughs> That's the type of weed I remember. It yeah. wasn't even weed, was it? It was hack. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely probably more rubber in that than actual active ingredients yeah i think it was the rubber that, that did the stuff <laughs> uh so you basically uh eventually will get through your story but you were like okay so this is working yeah i'm gonna go in on this and i'm doing more more of these video game songs and things of that nature and that was at around 2010 was that 2011 2012 yeah well the, the one i did about skyrim which i think is responsible for 
enabling me to have a definite career rather than kind of trying to have a career, if that yeah. makes sense. Well, that was 2011, and that was also just good timing for me was exact same time that YouTube rolled out their partner program. Yeah. So that was the first time YouTube was sharing ad revenue mm-hmm. with creators. So I signed up to that and st- straight away started getting a check from YouTube. Yeah. Which paid all the bills. and then What was your first YouTube thing. check? Uh, I don't know the amount actually. I think I think it, I think you didn't get a check. You, it sort of accrued into your AdSense account and then you yeah. could withdraw it. So I don't have a, a specific amount. I can tell you. Um, but yeah, it was more. It was a lot more than I ever had before. Yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah. So I guess I could have gone off the rails fairly easily at that point. But instead, I just thought, right, I'm making a lot more music now. And just I, I again, I just doubled down and thought, right, this is doing well. I'm going to do more of it. It's like what you said. What do you say? Like quadruple down on what's working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quadruple down on what's working. Quadruple so, down on what's working. So yeah, I just made a lot more music aimed at that same audience about games I liked, and it, it did really well. And I, I'm still doing that years later. But now I'm trying to. I'm, I'm also. I, I real. I realised that I wasn't progressing anywhere for a couple of years, and it was just doing more and more of the same because it kind of worked, but kind of stagnated. I felt like I was cruising along. So now I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find something new to do. Oh, really? Either instead or in addition to that. Uh, As in something new to talk about in your songs or something other than songs? I've, I'll always do music, but I yeah. feel like I feel like there's something else that I need to do and I don't know what it is yet. But that's an exciting feeling. Like knowing that, knowing that, I don't know, it feels like something is coming towards me, like a, 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 some kind of big inspiration of a new direction or something to do. I don't know what it'll be yet, but I'm really excited about it. That's I mean, you must have had that, right? You, or you, you felt that you, you said you're doing this tri- the trilogy. And yeah. You, so you know the third part of your trilogy. Yeah. You know that it's going to happen, but you weren't ready for it. Yeah. So that's a similar kind of feeling. Yeah. And that's why meaning wave happened because I was out there educating myself, and then I was like, well, these people know all this stuff, and I can put their knowledge into music, and then it'll be useful and palate, and people will be able to, you know, listen to it while they're working out. Or, banging or whatever they're doing so who else have you who else have you got in mind for Meaning Way that you've done oh god I mean it's one of these things I could do forever because uh, there's a lot of people that there's talk. a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of people who've said a lot of smart shit yeah you know and uh, I mean I've got a plan uh, I'm, I, I look at this uh, I feel, I'm kind of like Kevin Feige and uh, there's the Meaning Wave universe it's do like you... the MCU and I think of it like that and I think of it in phases and I've got things I'm building towards and ideas and people that I'm building towards but to get to there you have to go through other things so it makes sense to the listener and... are you hoping it will kind of spread into a genre rather than just more about like this is the thing that Akira the Don does you're hoping that it will become like a whole scene well it's yeah I mean it's it's begun it has begun I've started to see other people making meaning wave I saw, now, like I said, someone did one of you. So there's a few of them. I mean, I get I get them quite a lot. Like, most days, Do you? Yeah. people will be Instagramming me these things or sending me these things. I just saw the one about about you talking about your kid playing Minecraft with his friend, which is yeah. quite cool. Yeah. So, do you get people suggesting who to do next? Yeah, every day, every day, tons of them. Do this, do this, do this. And, uh, you know, I've listened to those suggestions, and I've done some things that people have suggested. That I I hadn't thought of. I think it's always good to. Um, yeah, people have great ideas. People have terrible ideas. ideas too. You could do a meaning wave rap battle between two politically opposed people and have like yeah. alternate alternate what one person said on an uh-huh. issue with what another person said. 
That'd be interesting. Well, I'm, I'm building up towards a project um, later this year that I'm thinking of in terms of like the way DJ Khaled puts records together. Um, so he'll go, all right, who's the biggest, who are the biggest guys in the country, but of slightly different genres or whatever, and put them on a track. Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically okay. that. That makes sense. So I've been thinking of that. So get this person plus this person, and they're talking about the same thing, but from a different angle, and then bring it together. I think that's, it's also really good to listen to different perspectives on the same thing instead of just hearing one person's take and yeah. thinking that's gospel. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what I've been doing. So each sort of phase, there'll be like an idea and then I'll have different people talking about the similar, the same thing, but from a different angle. Yeah. Uh, with the idea being that, so, you know, from between those things, you can get your own idea of what you think about it or whatever, or find the truth. But, you know, someone like a Peterson will be looking at a thing from one We'll be looking at the same object, but from over there. And Alan Watts is looking at the same object, but he's over there. And then Terence McKenna's over there. And it's the same object. Yeah. But it's, Joe Rogan's over there looking at it. Jocko Willing's looking over there. And it's the same object. But the it more angles different. you get, the better a picture of it. Yeah, I yeah guess. exactly. Say if it was blue on one side, Jordan Peterson saying, that's definitely blue. Ah, uh, yeah. over there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You didn't think to look around the back. God damn it. So yes, that's what I'm up to. Um, you, so you are about to get hit by some kind of steamroller of incredible new inspiration that's going to launch you off in Well, I hope so. I else. hope people don't look back on this in like a few years' time ago. So he's still doing video game raps and nothing else. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> uh, I've made myself accountable now by saying that. Yes. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, the big difference with you, I mean, the thing that's happened to you is you just had a kid. Yeah, so I know I know for a fact that I've changed a lot as a person. We were talking about that before. Like, it's forced me to become an adult rather than a man-child, yeah. which I kind of was before. And I probably still am more <laughs> than most people. But, like, I've, in, the, in the time... I, I think I've done more growing up since my son George was born two, three years ago than I did in all of my adult life before then. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to because I was... Uh, I owed it to him. Yeah. I still do. Like... When you owe something only to yourself, you can go, well, I don't want it. I'm happy this way. But when you know that someone else is relying on you, you can't go, well, I don't want it. I'm happy this way. Because it's not about whether you're happy. It's about whether they're happy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's really helped. That was the question you were asking wasn't about that, was it? It was about, like, yeah, um, that's definitely going to influence my attitude to music. I think I feel like... I used to do a lot more lyrics that were probably just like shock humor and almost like nihilistic, just happy to watch the world burn. And I don't want the world to burn anymore. <laughs> I want the world to flourish and, and be yeah. a nice place for my son to grow up. That's right. Yeah. I'm guessing you feel the same way. Because oh, yeah. I, I feel like every parent must feel that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, this is, this is why, you know, I don't trust politicians without children. Like, uh, they have no stake. They have no skin in the game. I never thought about that. So who's... Well, it used to be that was a thing you t- that was the thing that you sort of took for granted. Nobody would ever vote for someone who didn't have a family. Yeah, and it was for that reason. And then people have forgotten about that stuff, and there's kind of like there's been this weird cultural, oh, you don't, I don't have children. Oh, children's bad for the environment, or some stupid shit. Uh, and suddenly you've got this situation where like half of the leaders that you could mention at any given point don't have kids. And it's like, how can you trust those motherfuckers? They have no stake in the future. Do you think that's, like, political leaders are seem, seeming to be younger than they used to be as well? Like, uh, it's almost like you have a political career and then might go off and have a family. Yeah, which is the wrong way, the, the wrong way of approaching it. Yeah. It's the opposite of what you should do. 
It's the complete opposite of what you should do, and you, you now know this from experience. I guess it, it makes sense for a lot of jobs. Like you want to, you don't want to be distracted with family stuff before you've achieved certain things. But yeah, politics. I feel like the more the understanding of a whole of a human life you have, the better you're going to be. Yes, exactly, and sort of empathy things of that nature yeah. with, with all the people you might want to govern. I would, if there was one person in the YouTube scene that I wouldn't have been surprised when into politics, it would be you, to be honest. I did think about it, but then I, I just look at politicians and I don't really like them. No. <laughs> I don't want to be surrounded by them. I don't want no. to be... Also, I feel like if, you know, if I was in politics, then I'd be accountable to the public on a different level. Also, I think you're way less powerful nowadays. I think you're way more powerful just as a YouTuber. Yeah, I think you can make more kind of mischief and and uh, more noise from outside of politics than you can inside it. Yeah. Um, also, I just don't know enough about how all that stuff works, like yeah. all the parliamentary um, party politics. It doesn't... Yeah. yeah, I get that same reaction when I think about it. <laughs> so the idea that I'd want to go and sit in there is, at the moment, I don't think so. No. Well, so maybe, what you that, maybe that'll be the big thing that changes. All of a sudden, I'll go. That's it. I'm going to be a politician. No. But I doubt. I doubt. No. <laughs> well, so nihilistic, nihilistic edgelord Danville is dead. Long live. Yeah. Whatever's next. Joyful, <laughs> utopian Danville of the future. I've been looking at a thing called uh, Solar Punk. Have you heard of it? No. Right, you've, you've probably heard of steampunk and cyberpunk. Yes. So solarpunk is is like a utopian uh, vision of the future. Right. Like a lot, um, I don't know what the, I, I guess it's based on solar energy, that would make sense. But like right. a lot, a lot. Uh, it, um, it's, it's, it's all fan art and stuff, but it involves beautiful architecture instead of like functional concrete buildings and things. Oh, yeah. And so there's loads of stained glass and old like art deco and art nouveau buildings and, and just super environmentally friendly vehicles and stuff. And I keep looking at pictures of that and thinking, I want the world to end up like that somehow. I don't know how that would happen. Well, that's a good beginning. I mean, this is something I've been thinking a lot about. I follow a Twitter account called Rad of Non. It primarily seems to be focused with um, pointing out how fucking disgusting modern architecture is and how really good it used to be and how poor town planning is these days yeah how terrible city planning is and how we've built these fucking oppressive horrible sort of prison places that just monoliths you know i mean so it's one of the reasons i had to get out of london there's so much of london so ugly and depressing because it's just just this just oppressive just a ugliness and a and, you know beauty is the thing as dostoevsky said beauty will save the world and when you're around beautiful stuff and there's beauty in your life you reflect that yourself what do you think about, like, because when I look at LA, I don't get that inspired by a lot of the buildings. Some of the buildings are beautiful, but there's a lot of just giant concrete cubes here. Yeah, I mean, LA, nothing in LA seems to last, like, five years, and they'll, they'll build something up and they'll tear it down and build another thing for the most part. This building we're in right now is one of the oldest ones in the... In the, in the really? Yeah, it's, uh, it's listed. You're not allowed to fuck with it. I've um, just noticed there's, like, a giant pillar outside with all the decorative carving and yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, I actually, love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I it's wish actually there was nice. more of that. It, it's weird that... Oh, shit, look at this solar punk stuff. This is nice. Yeah, I, oh, I like this. I okay, so here you go. So, you know, we are at this point, as we were talking about earlier, where we realise the power that we have. We're starting to realise the power we have. We've got these... We're all walking around with goddamn supercomputers and, like, two people replanted a forest in 20 years and, like, you know, any one of us can actually 
make a big difference on the world. And a whole bunch of us together, God knows what a bunch of us together could do if we got our shit together and stopped fucking around and wasting time and yeah. making ourselves ill and all this sort of thing. So this this beautiful solar punk world, why couldn't you be involved heavily in making that come real in your lifetime? I don't see why you couldn't. It'd be good. What I like about it is the fact that it's it's combining two two things which aren't always which seem like they're at odds with each other. One of them's like environmentalism and, uh, and like getting rid of our reliance on fossil fuels and that kind of thing but also it's holding on to all their classical architectural designs and beauty and things yeah it's both of those things at once and it's oh, i do like this yeah. very much oh, I'd a lot of my fa- <laughs> a lot of my favorite kind of like anime and stuff of that nature involves like beautiful flying cities and things of that yeah nature. yeah i love all that shit it speaks to my soul this is why i love elon musk because he talks to that part of us that's excited about a, a beautiful future where we're this the that celebrates the best of us and the best that we've done before and the best we could do again. Yeah, he has a, a definite huge vision and is making steps towards actually making it a real Yes, thing. Yeah, exactly. And I find yeah. that inspiring. I think that's... Uh, he also works insanely hard, right? He doesn't really sleep, doesn't really do anything else. Yeah, he does work very hard and he also keeps in touch with popular culture. He's very in touch with popular culture. He is now a meme. He's a meme lord. <laughs> yeah. He's not just a meme, he's a meme lord. <laughs> He's a meme lord. If he's, he's flipping uh, his his avatar, his avi is a is an anime is an anime girl. Is it? Yes. <laughs> it's not even a picture of him anymore. Yeah. He's, he's like he's beyond that now. He's beyond the mere mortal using a picture of themselves as their Twitter profile. It's an anime chick. Isn't hasn't he had to kind of? Isn't there some like that side of him is kind of causing issues with shareholders and things in his business? Where they're yeah. like, it's making the business not look professional or something I think I honestly think it was all very deliberate on his part because he wanted to be focusing more on the SpaceX stuff so this forced them to kind of push him out of Tesla a bit or he didn't have to take he he like legally couldn't take that public role anymore or something because of that tweet yeah his 420 tweet yeah which seemed pretty pretty uh, deliberate you think that was so now he gets to focus on his spaceship yeah I think I'd rather like Tesla's are cool but space is cooler yeah, well, Tesla, he's done it now. Now electric cars are a thing. That's normal. People assume that, like, there was a period, like, 10 years ago which when that seemed crazy and, like, it could never happen. Yeah. And now that's done. And now it's normal. <coughs> and electric cars are normal, and you expect that now. So he's done that. So it's like, right, on to the next thing, and the next thing is Mars. But yeah, I guess he's not the kind of guy that just wants to keep refining the electric car anymore. Yeah, he's done he that. wants, like, he's always about the next idea and making it a real thing yeah. rather than an existing idea that's established and going, maybe that can be slightly more efficient. There's That's something that some a certain kind of person is very good at. Yeah. And he's not that kind of person. Yeah. Um, you going to do an Elon meaning wave? I already did. You did? I did, oh, yeah. Right. I did. It's great. It's a good one. Look it up. It's, a, it's one of my favorite ones. What's it? Is that on Spotify? Yeah. I guess you search Elon Musk meaning wave. Is it going to come up if I type that in? Probably. It's, the album is called Elon, A Space Odyssey. Oh, right. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it sampled stuff from his Rogan interview and a couple of other things. And it's Check a sort of out. glorious sci-fi. It's one of my favorite things. It's, 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 um, and it, it's not the biggest. A lot of people missed it. And I don't do any kind of marketing or anything. I just release things and then move on. So if something hits, it hits. And if it doesn't, People tend to find it afterwards. How have people, if you haven't marketed, because your meaning wave stuff's doing really well. Yeah, how no, don't people, do any marketing. So that's all word of it's mouth. It's all word of mouth. So it's all the, the, you know how it is. My God, I used to get so frustrated and upset. I put all this time and effort into making a record and then put it out and like the enemy didn't review it or whatever. And it was like, 
it didn't get the attention it should because I didn't have a PR or and you'd be like oh, I don't have this thing it's not fair no 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 those shitty artists have got all this stuff and I know got shit and uh, and then I that's terrible you know it was take control of your life take control of your shit so what I do now is I just carpet bomb and I release tons of stuff and it's you know I work really really hard and just keep releasing stuff of a of a high quality of a consistency of the that works together thematically and all that. So each thing kind of adds to the power of the previous thing. Yeah. You know, and it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds in that fashion. Yeah. I See, I, I, I had a similar approach where I was trying to carpet bomb, basically trying to make a song about everything in gaming culture. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like it's sort of reached a point where it's not, go, like the graph is not going up, it's kind of stagnated and just right. chugging along nicely. But I don't want to chug along nicely. I always no. want to be moving up and on to the next thing yes yeah yeah my graph is very much in the ascended stage right now but this is early in this thing you know um you are not early in the rapping about video games thing yeah we're like that's we're now at the point where rapping about video games is is the number one yeah record in the country territory it's it's become like i've seen it become its own little industry aside aside from it being in the number one thing in the country like there's now a whole load of artists that are making a living from on youtube as well so like it was fairly easy for me looking back. Like some, like a big game or something would come out, I'd be able to make a track about it and put it on YouTube that week or the week after, and that would be the only musical. Yeah, and anyone who searched yeah. that thing, your thing would come up. But now no. it's totally different. Like people are even like planning ahead and releasing things like the day before it comes out, mm-hmm. and there's like five different ones. So anything I do is just one of many. Yeah, um, and that, I, you know, I still enjoy it as much, and I feel like my music's as good as ever but it feels almost a bit like a treadmill at the moment. I don't like feeling like I'm on a treadmill. No. Yeah. But what can you do that other people can't do? On the, like, I, on the side at the moment, just for fun, I'm making a G-Funk album just because I really like G-Funk. Nice. I, I, and the fact that I'm about, as a person, I'm probably like total opposite of what you expect to make a G-Funk album, but I really like that music. So I'm making one called Straight Past Compton. Um, <laughs> And it's just G-Funk from the perspective of, of me, a 30-something dad from the English Midlands. Um, and I wanted it to have 420 tracks. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I realised that committing to that joke would require <laughs> too much work. So, But it's going to have a lot of tracks. Like, you, all of my albums up until now, I think, have 12 tracks because I just thought 12 was the perfect number of tracks for an album. But for a G-Funk album, you've got to have more because you've got all, like skits and just load mm-hmm. of filler tracks and I want to be totally committed to exactly what it would be like well you should ride down you should go to Compton or at least ride through it on the train while you're here yeah I saw somewhere near here there was a company that does like hood tours or something yeah, yeah. I feel like that. But you just ride the train just get on the blue line and like you just go through uh, it goes through Compton and it goes through um, Crenshaw and all that you know you just ride through and just get to see it yeah. Like, and the, the people get on the train, and it's people from those places, and you can say hi to them or whatever. But the lake, it's very beautiful. It's a lot prettier. It's really pretty. It's all really, it's like palm trees and lushness. And like, it's why the music is so beautiful. Yeah. I always yeah. loved G Funk. It was on like that Warren G Regulate album, it's one of my favorite G Funk era. That's one of my favorite albums. Yeah. yeah. I love that sound, just that warm, hazy summer night. It wouldn't have been made in New York City, would it? No. That genre. Which is what we were talking about earlier. Architecture and shit is so important. Like, grime sounds like grime because it was made in these fucking ugly inner city tower block areas. And that's what it sounds like. 
You know, yeah, New yeah. York rap sounds like New York and LA rap sounds like LA and it's like the architecture in your surroundings are so fucking important to the it's souls the of the with, people who inhabit them. With rock, like you, uh, like West Coast American rock sounds like how LA yes. looks. Yes, and it does. Like, yeah, exactly. Don't get, like the Eagles, you wouldn't have had the Eagles in New York. Yeah. If um, the Eagles were playing in like a little New York club and they'd come from New York, you'd be like, how did they, where, where did that sound come from? But the Ramones makes complete fucking sense. Yeah, Fleetwood yeah. Mac makes complete sense if you've hung around Laurel Canyon or whatever. Like, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. That's what that, that the feeling, that is the feeling. So, so that's, yeah. it's interesting then what, because a lot of people spend a lot of their time online and so how music's going to sound different because people are, people's environment is, is this digital online world. So I guess there's going to be a lot more of a shared musical culture between people. Like people have their own place where they live, but then mm-hmm. if you, it's not just the architecture. But if you live the, online, I mean that's yeah. what yeah that's why PC music makes sense and those sorts of things. But like you're of a generation that's grown up without musical boundaries in the same way that it used to exist. You just listen to whatever someone sends you over your chat thing or whatever. You're yeah. listening to Japanese reggae and death metal and K-pop and all these things at the same time. Yeah, and you're watching all the music videos and and you're doing all the memes and stuff that's your fucking hypercolor world yeah and so, yeah I mean we're already seeing this this is like why so much of that rap stuff we were talking about is happening and like it used to be that rap would be regional and you'd have a sound so like southern rap and Alabama rap and New York rap and all this and now rap sounds yeah it's, it's a point it's, I can't you can't really you would have been able in the 90s to probably guess where a rap track came from. Right? Yes, you, I mean, you definitely would. But now... Now, no. Yeah. But you can guess what kind of, like, internet microcultures people who made it were into. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. So it's almost like regions have, regions have gone online. Yeah. And regions are more about, about shared cultures between demographics instead of just where you live. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, because the region I live in is... It's Birmingham. It's not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Birmingham spawned heavy metal, but... Yeah, Birmingham spawned Black Sabbath. Yeah. But I don't know how much cultural impact it's had since then. Uh, well, it spawned you. Me. Spawned like two-tone, me. Two-tone scar yeah. from the Midlands. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you lived in... I lived in Redditch for a bit. I was born in the Midlands, but we moved to Wales when I was two. Where were you born? What's that? Hales Owen. Oh, right, not far. I'm from Bromsgrove originally. Well, yeah, I mean, because I lived in Redditch when I was 17. Uh, my auntie's from there. And um, when I left home, I went to Redditch. And that was, that was a very intense period of my life. But uh, that's why I next door to Bromsgrove. Yeah. Shit so Red, Yeah, Redditch, you wouldn't recommend it as a holiday destination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was doing my, my Twitter thing yesterday, the other day, of like, list of jobs I've ever had and a lot of them were in Redditch like worked in a box factory and a car door handle factory <laughs> and a football shop and a record shop and a various pubs and all this ridiculous stuff so yeah. Jesus Christ so and now you're in Hollywood no, no, I'm in yeah. yeah and so are you I wonder how many people started off in Hollywood and ended up in Redditch it <laughs> <laughs> a weird life path to take <laughs> there's a few Redditch people I ran into the, uh, Calvin Harris's manager he's a big time guy he's a Redditch boy is it? Yeah. And uh, he ran it, came up to me. I was DJing a club. He came running over. Going, oh, my fucking God, Akira. <laughs> and uh, he was with, rolling deep with movie stars and models and stuff. And like, he's like, yeah, Reddish boys, yeah. <laughs> he still Reddish. sounds like he's from Reddish. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And uh, 
but yeah, he was he was like the first thing he did in the music industry was like remix one of my songs. He like wrote, let, I let, gave him the acapella yeah. of the thing. No so, way. Funny how these things go. Um, shit. Well, I need to go and DJ speaking. <laughs> Which? Ooh. What are you doing tonight? I don't know yet. I'm kind of I, I I'm here with 2K, but I put, whenever a games or a company wants me to go somewhere, I was asking to give me like a few extra days on the plane ticket so I yeah. can just explore. That's so I've got like do. three days of whatever I want to do in LA, which is nice. Well, if you fancy coming out, let me know. Where are you DJing? I'm DJing at No Vacancy tonight. Okay. There's burlesque shows. And, uh, it's very, I was going to make a joke about, but, about there being no vacancies, but I imagine that's a very tired joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favourite kind of joke. Yeah. Um, do you have any, any anything you want people to know or do? I'm really any bad at this. calls to action? Well, I, I should have something to plug, right? I guess I should just tell people to plug... Tell, I'm not good at plugs. <laughs> what, what, would you, what do you think I should plug? Um, well, you know, Dan Bull. Go investigate Dan Bull. Yeah. Go listen to him on Spotify. Uh, go watch his videos on his YouTube channel. But if uh, someone sat through... Follow his pithy Twitter. If someone sat Twitter. through talking, me talking this long, I'd hope they already were familiar with my music. Because otherwise... No, not yeah. at all. He's an interesting guy with a nice, sonorous... Slightly brummy voice, but not so brummy that it would annoy people. I'll, I'll take that. Could you tell? Would you tell I'm from the Midlands then? Because a lot of people don't have no. Clue. I would tell. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very subtle. I mean, it's the same with me. It's like I've lost most of my accent, but it's like the way you say "bath" and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Because people from from the south of England think I'm a northerner. People from the north think I'm a southerner. Happens yeah. a lot when you're from the Midlands. Yeah. But, but no one ever guesses I'm from Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. That's a universal thing, by the way. I mean, you have that in this country. Yeah. People just. Yeah, you kind of just shove everyone that isn't from where you are in that whatever direction you think they're from. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'll plug. I'll plug Birmingham. There you go. I don't know what. what oh, here's there. the thing. All right, cool. So you were talking. Yeah, just you were saying that you're you're building a studio and all this, and you're building some kind of like shared space or something. Yeah, there. I don't want to talk about it too much yet because I'm supposed to be doing like a, a big announcement of it. But yeah, I've yeah. basically got a studio in uh, in the middle of my city, Birmingham, and. I want it to kind of do all the things which YouTube space and MCN's uh, YouTube networks and things haven't done. So I just, I want to, again, it ties in with me being get, getting older and realizing that I might not always be in the same position I am now musically. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of help other people and get involved behind the scenes and be more of like a mentor to other creators, keep making my own stuff and just having people working physically in the same space. Because one of the problems with the internet culture is you're not always together and I feel like a lot, together. a lot more gets done more quickly when people just are in the same space it happens more organically and more fluidly yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm basically pulling all of the things that I've amassed through being 10 years on YouTube like all the equipment I've got I bought a bunch more, more equipment uh, different contacts and people are, and just have them all come through and put get as much of this into one space as possible and see what happens it's not a very developed business model at the moment but that's intentional because I feel like I'll know what direction to take it and it'll, it'll almost take itself in that direction. And then again, I'll quadru- quadruple down on what works. So you're going to be the uh, Charles Xavier of the uh, I'll take it. I'll take YouTube that. Yeah. world. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I, again, it, I feel like I'm just being drawn in that direction. It ties yeah. in with what I said earlier where I know something, a big change is happening with me. Maybe that'll be, that'll tie me that. That's perfect. That And that keeps you in touch with the new... You're passing along your knowledge, 
you'll be inspired to do radical, cool new stuff that you wouldn't have otherwise thought to do. Yeah, yeah. And it was it almost happened reluctantly as well because I, I got to the point where I couldn't do my music at home anymore because obviously having a, like a two-year-old at home. Yeah. As, as much as I love him, a two-year-old who's very active and very noisy and excitable is not conducive to producing music. Yeah, and they bite cables. Yeah. They're like rabbits. Having cables and batteries and that kind of thing and a toddler. That's why I got this place. Yeah. I thought I'd always have a home studio. I'm the same. I always, like, I loved the fact that I could not have to get out of my pyjamas to go to work. But guess what? When you get out your pyjamas to go to work, you actually work more. Yeah. You You work more efficiently and more, uh, I get way more done coming to this studio, shutting this door, going right now we're doing this stuff than I did previously when I had when I sort of fell out of bed and yeah. there was the fucking computer right there there are no distractions and you you know that what like when you're at home you're in a room you're like why am I in this room it could be one of ten different reasons when you're here and you're in this room why are you in this room because yeah. it worked and you know you're here for a set amount of time and you've got shit to do and you're going to do it yeah and you're going to maximise that time so I yeah I, I, I didn't realise that before so I kind of reluctantly and I was just kept thinking about the cost of renting a place and the, the yeah. faff of moving everything but now I've done it I feel like of course that was the right thing to do and so I'm fully leaning into it and embracing it I'm looking forward to Good. the opportunities it'll present well, so I look forward to down. visiting yeah, I would love to be a visiting uh, like X-Man or whatever <laughs> we've got I've got on the wall like uh, I take a Polaroid of different people who've come through so hey, uh, and then they sign it so we're amassing a wall of different Polaroids of That's creative beautiful. people so we need to get your Polaroid up does it have a name not yet no I'm just I don't want to dance on school for gifted yeah. youngsters it's just it's just a building with my stuff in at the moment yeah <laughs> um, I'm still trying to think I don't want to announce a name and then think oh I've got a better name so I'm not going to say a name yet but uh, okay well, there you go. This is that's wonderful. Uh, I'm very excited to come visit sometime. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting thank me. Thank you for all good. you've done for the community. Oh, thank you for, for, for the I, humans. I want to thank you for Meaning Wave, which seems like it's got a lot of potential. And also, I just you know I follow a few people on Twitter, but you're very active on Twitter, and usually what you post is pretty inspiring, and motivational. So thank you for that. Hey. Good handshake. Yeah, good. Good handshake. handshake. I, I shook someone's hand the other day, and it was like this. Ready? Well, no, yeah, no, you went in. You were, yeah. That was, yes. Powerful activities only. Splash.